Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the message is this. Uh, we have a, an email address at the church that's brand new, and it's only for one reason, and the address is askapastor at crossroads.life. And the purpose of that is for you to email questions. If you have a topic or a question out of the Bible or uh, something like that, um, you can email that, and one of the pastors will answer that. But the plan will be that we're going to either answer it in our Sunday service, or more likely, we're going to answer it in the feed or on the web page. So we invite you to send questions in, and you'll start seeing that uh, soon. Ask a pastor at crossroads.life. So I love those memory verses. Keep them coming. Today is the 29th. Here's our proverb of the day. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it's from the Lord that a man gets justice. That's a great one for today. So many people are seeking to the ruler to save the day, and it's really going to be God that comes through. So I want to pray uh, before we get into the word. Let's do that. Lord, we invite you to speak to our hearts. So we make our hearts available to the whisperings of your spirit. We realize that your word is the one thing that you honor even above your name. Help us to be the same about your word, that our attitude would be, oh, the word of God, we should be paying attention with our spirit and our intellect. So we do that, God, right now. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Philippians 4 again today. Today is part three in our series of how to have peace of mind. Um, and um, I think that's pretty appropriate for the circumstances. Our whole concept here is that peace is the calm assurance that what God is doing is best, is best. I think probably everybody has... Um, you know, at least one, but probably multiple significant seasons in their life when um, they just don't have peace of mind. And the thing is that you can't have peace, um, the peace of God, until you have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, um, since we have been justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Most people don't understand that um, when we're born into this world, we're already at enmity with God. We're in sin. And by nature and by action, we're separated from God. So the good news of the gospel, which is awesome, awesome news, is that Jesus came because of the love he was sent by the Father to pay the price for your sin and mine. And uh, so, so that we can be forgiven. So we just need to turn from our sin and embrace Jesus Christ by forgiveness so that we can receive the free gift of eternal life. It's a great deal. Amen to that. So that's what, if doing that is what brings us to peace with God. But even if we have peace with God, um, by the way, if you don't have peace with God, you should do that right now. You don't have to wait for a special call. You should just, at this point, stop what you're doing, and say, Look, Lord, I want to get this right with you. And you put it into your own words and let the Lord speak to you and, uh, and for you to open your heart to him as Savior. Scripture says, all who call on Christ will be saved. And I encourage you to do that. Don't wait. But even if you have peace with God, a lot of Christians, including this Christian sometimes, don't always experience the peace of God. Philippians 4, verse 7, which is where we were last week, tells us that God gives his peace, the peace of God that surpasses all all of our understanding, my old way of thinking, my old thoughts. Um, and the last couple of weeks, we learned from Philippians 4 that so much of the time, our minds are being bombarded with thoughts that don't lead to peace. 
And uh, the key is to get negative thinking out, to get those, those uh, dividing cares out of our mind. Okay, well, out with the bad, in with the good. Well, what's that? Well, that's what today is. We're going to talk about that, how to have peace of mind, part three. The last two weeks, the scriptures that we keyed on were let your requests be made known to God, and, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Jesus. God, the idea there is that God will build this wall of peace around you and guard your heart and your mind from those anxious thoughts. And to occupy our minds, we're now into the next verse, and that's verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. That's a list of eight different, eight non-overlapping categories of good thoughts that we can choose to think about. And, and here's the thing you have to understand. You have to fight for your peace because the negative thoughts, the hurtful thoughts, the harmful thoughts, they just come all by themselves. I mean, you can just be kind of bouncing along and, you know, happy and you know, things are going well, and then all of a sudden this bad thought will just leap to the top of your mind. You're thinking, well, where did that come from? I don't want to think about that. I thought I'd dealt with that. I thought I had victory over that, and now I'm struggling again. And, and when we wrestle with those things, we, we have to have discipline. We have to fight for our peace. And the bad thoughts come on their own, but the good thoughts, they have to be chosen. They have to be selected. They've got to be embraced. They've got to be pursued. That's why Colossians 3, verse 15 tells us, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let God's peace rule. Let it be. And that's kind of like this, this war analogy that we're fighting for peace. When, when the bad thoughts come, the peace of God that's guarding my heart and my mind is fighting off those bad thoughts. And to help us build that wall of peace around your thinking, the, the scripture here gives us eight weapons to fight for peace. So, Number one, finally, brothers, Paul's summarizing his thoughts now, putting it all together. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, number one, true, because the reason true is because peace is lost in deception. Your peace gets lost in the middle of deception. You know, as you're deciding, is this a good thought or is this a bad thought? There are ways to help you evaluate your thoughts, and the one, first one is a question. Is this true? Is it just true? There's a guy named Paul Tripp who wrote this book, mostly aimed at pastors. It's called Dangerous Calling. And he makes a statement in there. He says, nobody preaches to you more than you do. You know, Terry, I'm just this weekend preacher guy in your life for the most part. Um, you know, you are really the real preacher in your life. You know that? You're preaching to yourself constantly. You know, you're, I, you're telling yourself how, how to... How to, um, how to view it, how to think about it, how to handle it, what to do, what not to do, what matters, what doesn't matter. You're constantly, constantly preaching to yourself. No one preaches to you more than you do. And if you're not telling yourself the truth, if you're not telling yourself the truth about your children or not telling yourself the truth about your finances or about your marriage or your singleness or your sexual purity or your eternal prospects, if you're, not telling, if you're lying to yourself, your peace is slipping away from you quickly. So here's a list of five, classic, five classics of self-deception. We should all probably recognize these because I think we, I know I've said all these at some time in my life. Number one, here's a classic. I can handle it. I can handle it. 
It's just a little pleasure. It'll be okay. This won't be a problem. This isn't going to overwhelm me. It's not going to destroy my health. It's not going to hurt my mind. And maybe you have convinced yourself, I can handle it. Hosea talks about that, he says in 10.13. But you have planted wickedness, you've reaped evil, and you've eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength. I can do it. I can handle it. I'll get through it. What, what has been burdening you over this last week and you didn't pray about it? <laughs> you know, if you're not going to pray about it after, you know, what we learned last week about the importance of prayer, will you ever turn in the face of hardship and get alone and kneel down and pray out loud and with a list and, and, and fervently? Wow. Are you, are you, or are you lying to yourself and saying, I can handle it. I'm on this. I can handle it. <laughs> it's all right. I'll wait until things get really hard, and then I'll turn to God. You know, classics of self-deception. Deception. Number one, I can handle it. Number two, what they don't know can't hurt them. No, I wouldn't be proud if my wife knew this, but what she doesn't know won't hurt her. No, I wouldn't really be happy if my parents know about this, but what they don't know can't hurt them. Of course I'd lose my job if they found out there about this, but they won't, and what they don't know won't hurt them. That's a lie. You know, if you've been thinking that, if you've been preaching that, Numbers 32, 23 says, be sure your sin will be found out. It'll find you out. You know, you cannot dig a hole deep enough and, uh, to put your deception in that the God who loves you isn't going to dig it up. Why? Because it's the truth that sets you free. It's not deception. And no matter where you stick that deception, where you hide it, Proverbs 28 tells us that he who covers his sin will not prosper. God's not going to let it stay hidden. And I know as I was preparing for this message that there would be people watching, and I had a sense that there would be some watching that. And as they're watching this message right this moment, you're contemplating doing some things in this next week and um, they're awful. And you think you'll get away with it, and, and you think you'll hide, it, you know, you'll be able to hide it, and you think you'll be pleased by it. The problem is it's going to come out. Be sure your sins will find you out. And if you've been thinking about something that isn't true, you know, how much heartache comes from thinking about things and preaching to ourselves things that just aren't true? So, five. Classics of self-deception. One, I can handle it. Two, what they don't know won't hurt them, but it will hurt them because, and you, when it comes out. And, and, and now this next one is awful. Watch out for this. Number three, I deserve this. I deserve this. This thinking is kind of twisted. It goes a little bit like this. Well, you add up all these disappointments in your life, and they kind of go into this bank of credits, and then you use them to purchase what you already know God doesn't want for you. You see what I've gone through? You see what I've had to suffer, what I've endured, what I've had to live with? You know, so be reasonable. You'd agree. I, 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 I deserve this. Psalm 51.6 says, Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Surely, God, you, you desire me to focus my mind on what is actually true. Actually true. Okay, the fourth one is this. At least I'm going through the motions. <laughs> my body's in the right place 
here I am at church again, you know, um, doing what I'm supposed to do, but is your heart in it? Jesus talked about this in Matthew 15. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God wants our hearts. Our hearts. And if you think that, you know, by being in a home and um, being that kind of parent or being, you know, going to the job and punching that clock, if you think that's what God wants, those are just external conformity. You know, you're preaching the wrong message to yourself. And then the fifth classic is this. God will help, you know, help us run from this one. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. (laughs) Really? Really? None of this is your fault. You didn't do anything to kind of make this start rolling down the hill or make it worse. That's what Pilate said. He said he was innocent. The lying has to stop, and there's no peace when you lie to yourself. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true. So ask yourself this question about the thought that you have. I'm trying to decide, am I going to go ahead and feed this thought, work on this thought, or put it down? Is it true? Is it objectively true? I'm not talking about being driven by emotions, and I'm talking about objectively true. Is this a fact? Is it provable? Because peace is lost in deception, including self-deception. Okay, second, second uh, weapon is finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, honorable. Honorable because peace is lost on the low road. You know, is this the highest possible opinion I could have? This, this word honorable means revered or venerated for good character. True thoughts are things I think to myself. Honorable thoughts are things I think about other people. What do you think about other people? What do you think about your family, about your extended family, about people at work? What do you think about people at work who are the least like you? What do you think about people that don't like you or have hurt you? This, this concept is a massive component of peace because we allow sometimes our anger towards those who have hurt us to take our peace and they're not even in our lives anymore in many cases. How many times have I talked with someone who was still angry about someone they hadn't seen for five or ten years because of something really damaging that was done back there, but that damage continues because the anger continues. Jesus said in Matthew 5, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Are you doing that? Are you loving your enemies in your mind and in your heart? You know, when you have an enemy, do you plot or do you feel sorry for them? You know, um, because what they're doing to you, they're probably doing it to other people too. Think charitable thoughts about them. Pray for God to get a hold of them. Honorable thoughts aren't, they're not foolish and they're not naive. It's just a highest possible opinion. Yeah, maybe they're like that, but they won't be that way always. It's not too late. They might still change. Some of you... Um, would probably know a friend of mine. He's not really a friend of mine anymore, not for any reason other than the fact that he's with Jesus and we don't get to hang out together anymore. But this was a guy named Bill Lambert. Um, I was a friend with Bill. He mentored me at some levels. And um, um, I got the privilege of doing his memorial service too when he died. He died, and that was back in 2004, and he was 88 at the time. I, when I was first a brand new pastor and a very young um, member of church staff, um, I met him, and 
Um, I, I, I was at Living Water, Church of Living Water at the time, and we were going to build the, the sanctuary building that they have there now. And, and a part of my pastoral duties was I also was overseeing the construction of the building, so I acted like the general contractor. And um, just because I could, um, I would hang out with all these different tradesmen. Well, Bill was a retired, retired Foursquare pastor, and he was also a retired commercial electrician. So I would hang out with these tradesmen, and I worked with them, and I learned some stuff. I hung out, and I drove backhoe, and I drove a great big D8 bulldozer. That was a lot of fun. And um, I worked with the guys when we were pouring cement, and I hung out with Bill. And um, so we would talk about things, and at one point I had this conversation with him because there had been some stuff going on um, kind of upstream in the Foursquare denomination that I didn't understand. Some of the inner workings at the district level and at the headquarters level, and it kind of just seemed... To me, to my inexperienced view, it seemed a little bit wonky. And um, so I said, hey, Bill, what's the deal there? And I remember him. He was, we were pulling wires or doing something. And he just very gently and lovingly um, turned to me, and he said, Terry, you don't want to go there. Now, my spirit snapped to attention because he was speaking the truth to me in love. And he said, you know, whatever mistakes they're making, whatever character flaws you see in them today, you should know a couple of things. They have been called to what they're doing by the Lord, and the Lord will deal with shaping whatever needs to be shaped. <laughs> Bill would not say anything negative about these people. He would just only say honorable things about them. And I watched as Bill just kind of trusted the Lord, um, and he just sat and waited over time for this inevi inevitable you know, convergence of truth and time because the Lord gets those things together. Thinking the worst of people, coming to the worst conclusion, is, is taking the low road. And when you take the low road, it is your peace that slips away. Be realistic and wise, but take the high road every chance you get. Okay, number three. Finally, my brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, and whatever is just, just, this word just literally means righteous. It's the idea that, that peace is lost in the contemplation of wrong action. Just planning something wrong, your peace starts to drain away. Is this the right thing to do? Peace is lost in the contemplation of wrong action. I mean, I don't know what you do <laughs> when you um, start thinking that you're going to be wronged. I mean, sometimes I let my imagination get away from me. I don't know if I should tell you this or not because I'm so petulant sometimes in my soul. But, you know, sometimes I, I, I think, oh, I might get, this, this, may not, this may not go like the way it should. And this person's, I don't know if I can trust them. And, uh, and then I start thinking about ways. I start nursing this thing in my soul and making up this, these, these, okay, if this, then that. And this little chess game starts to spin up. And, okay, well, if they raise the temperature 10 degrees, I'll raise it back 20 degrees. And pretty soon I've got my little heart in my mind thinking I'm Clint Eastwood, you know. Well, do you, punk? You know, that dirty, hairy thing going on. And I have to tell you, I can literally feel the catecholamines kind of dumping into my system, the, 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 the dopamine and uh, epinephrine and those things, and they're coursing through my body, and I can literally feel it starting to affect me. Those things aren't good for you. <laughs> they're not good for you physically. And the thing is that I can feel in those moments my peace doing a 100-yard dash directly away from me. Your peace gets forfeited if you're thinking about doing something wrong, even because you're, you're being wronged, even because of something that's wrong. Being, that's just not going anywhere good. It can be said like this. Every time you throw dirt, 
you lose a little ground. <laughs> Peace is lost in the contemplation of wrong action. Ask yourself, is it the right thing to do? Number four, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, pure. Peace is lost in a dirty mind. Lost in a dirty mind. Is this morally faithful? This word pure here literally means clean. The idea here is, is modest, perfect, chaste, pure, clean. And it pr- primarily refers to um, what is sexually proper. You know, it, what is consistent with God's plan for healthy sexuality. You can probably think of lots of places to go, sites to visit, pictures to view, flirtations to entertain, but anything in your mind outside of God's design is to your own ruin. God loves you. And every time that God says don't, it means God says don't hurt yourself. God's rules are not arbitrary. They're eternal. They're just the manufacturer's specifications. It's, it's, it, you know, when we go outside of God's plan, we're the ones that suffer for it because that's how human beings work. And if you want peace, if you want peace of mind, then you have to start being a lot more disciplined about what you let your mind think about. True, honorable, just, pure. Then this, this is a wonderful one. Whatever is lovely. Lovely. That word means that which attracts through its acceptable, pleasing quality. It attracts because of its acceptable, pleasing quality. You know, to, to, to develop this, this, this capacity to see the increasing beauty of Jesus in the people around you. To be able to look at your spouse of decades and see around the wrinkles that time has brought and the beauty of this enduring love and how perfect and helpful and lovely it is and she is or he is. You know, it's, it's a friend who decides to set their time aside and, and prioritizes you and cares for you and helps you and listens to you and encourages you. Don't, don't miss, about, miss out on how lovely that is. You know, um, <laughs> our culture sees loveliness as something else completely. It's sad. Um, and, and, and people feel compelled to chase something that they can never catch. I saw this picture the other day, and I just chuckle about it. And it was this guy... And I hesitate to um, pass any judgment, so I will just describe what, you, what I saw. He looked like a guy who had never known a bar of soap that he wanted to be friends with, and he had never owned a comb. Um, and um, he looked pretty unkempt and in a lot of different ways, and he was wearing a T-shirt, and the T-shirt said, <laughs> Sorry, girls, I only date models. <laughs> I got to get me that shirt. Okay, um, although I don't date, right, honey? Okay, she's looking at me like, okay, if you could see her here, she's rolling her eyes going, oh, come on, please. Okay, so um, instead we should, you know, something about that's lovely about our friendships should well up in our hearts about that person. You know, whatever things are lovely, a piece of music, you know, uh, some treasured friendship that maybe you've kind of neglected recently. If that's happened, Call that person up this week. Hey, the Lord put you on my heart, and I just wanted to call you and tell you how important you've been in my life and how much I appreciate you. You know, because peace flees from a fault-finding mind. If your mind is always finding the faults in people around you, the little mistakes, the big mistakes, peace is flying away from you and from them and between you and them. 
peace finds, and it, and, it, and it just focuses upon true beauty. There's peace on thinking on these things. Okay, and then number six, whatever is commendable, commendable. You know, this is, um, peace is, is found in, in words with kindness. Ask yourself, is this, is this friendly? Is it friendly? The word commendable here literally means well-sounding words. Let me kind of help you with that. It comes from two root words that mean well done and rumor, like our rumors, right? Something's done so well that it builds a good reputation or even to the point where it builds fame. Commendable. Does this sound good? Is it kind? So the next time you're on the internet or you're reading a magazine or you're watching the news and somebody on the screen is talking about someone else who is not there, ask yourself, is this a good report? Is this commendable? It's a great question to ask. I have to say, sadly, um, our, our government and our media have really siphoned away my peace over, you know, over time, and probably yours as well. And the thing is that we listen to it anyway. Here's what I mean by this. Um, if you wa ever watch any live transmissions that come from, like, the U.S. House of Representatives or the Senate or the White House, you know, they use words like, now we recognize the gentle man from or the gentle woman from. They're all so respectful in their words. And in the chambers, for the most part, they try to be respectful of each other, at least when they got the microphone in their hands. That's less true today than it was before. But even if they are gentle in their words in the room, when the session ends, they rush out into the halls to a media um, frenzy and they just start the personal attacks. Just It's a personal attacks, personal attacks, personal attacks. It's the order of the day. And the media pushes this nasty dialogue for their own reasons. And sadly, it's our appetite that tunes it in. You know, if somebody is giving you a bad report... Maybe ask the question, why are you telling me this? Um, <laughs> we used to have a policy in, the, in a church where, you know, I would hire somebody and um, we had this, this understanding, we don't talk about each other in negative ways. We just don't do it. If someone has offended you, Matthew 18 says, you go to that person and say, hey, you know, you kind of stepped on my toes. No, you didn't mean to, but ouch. And the other person goes, oh, okay, I'm sorry, let's figure this out together, and you resolve that one-on-one. -on -one. That's what Matthew 18 teaches when you have an offense. It doesn't tell you, go tell somebody else, hey, what a scoundrel this, this guy Terry is. It's like, no, no, you go. And if somebody would come to me and they'd say, hey, uh, this other person has really done, done me wrong, I'd say, hold it, stop right where you are. You need to know this person is my friend, and um, I don't want to even listen to this. What I want to do is help you get it resolved. Come on, I'll hold hands, I'll take you, and this person will help you um, and, I'm, and I will help you to work it out. That's what's scriptural to do. But every once in a while, somebody would, would m make a mistake and they would talk about someone else and that always creates division. And so here's what the guideline would be. If that happens and it comes to my attention as I was someone in, in a little bit of authority there, I would say, hey, we'll get together, we'll hug, we'll cry, we'll forgive, we'll do that kind of stuff one time. But if you do it again after that, you'll find your desk on fire in the parking lot. <laughs> it's the old desk on fire. Fire. The whole idea, though, is that we're just not going to give an ear to a negative report. Just not going to do that. So then we move on here, and now Paul is going to wrap this whole thing up with two summary questions. Is it true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable? And then he says, is there any excellence? Excellence. The idea here is that peace is found in agreement. 
Now, I kind of chuckle as I study this out because Peter uses this exact same word four times in the New Testament. Paul, who wrote an awful lot of the New Testament, only used it once in this one spot. It's almost like Paul doesn't like the word. But the Holy Spirit, who was, who was inspiring him, kind of said, no, you will use this word. And so he, I, I don't know this, but it's kind of how it comes across. Because, because what the word literally means is human goodness. <laughs> and Paul is all about, you know, like in Titus 3, it's not by works of righteousness um, that we've done, but according to his mercy, we're saved, right? So, you know, Paul doesn't even want to acknowledge there's any such thing as a human goodness. And in terms of salvation, he's right. Human goodness cannot save you, and it cannot save me. So, um, you know, right? We have to agree with that. In fact, just to be clear, I want to point this out. There, there are no good deeds you can do to get saved. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. Being good won't get you to heaven. And even though there's nothing that we can do that is good in terms of saving us, still people do good things, and Christians should be excellent in this. We should be excellent in doing good things. If there's anything excellent, anything virtuous, think about that. And then finally, number eight, if there's anything worthy of praise, worthy of praise, think about these things. Peace is found in God. In God. God's word. God's son, God's people, peace is found there. Does this honor God? Does this provoke God's worship? Does this praise his name? Think about these things. And the concept here isn't just this fleeting thought. It's more the idea of our word, ruminate. You know what a ruminant is? You know, um, uh, cows are ruminants. They're typically animals with multiple stomachs. And the deal is this, they go out there and they stand there and they munch on the grass and they swallow the grass and they get a bunch of it, they get a belly full. Well, they got multiple stomachs and so then they go find some shady place and they sit down and they regurgitate that um, and, they, and we call it cud. And it comes up out of their stomach and they chew it and 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 prepare it and there's this fermenting that's going on in different stomachs and it goes up and it down and eventually it gets processed through these multiple stomachs to the place where all of the really good and valuable nutrients can be readily absorbed by the cow and all of the stuff that's not so good, you know what happens to that, out it goes. That's what, that's what this word means. Think about these things. It's not a fleeting thought. It's to ruminate. It's to chew on it. It's to process it, to filter it, to keep what's good and to boot out what's not good. So we get all this, whatever's true, Honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy. Chew on that over and over. Absorb it into your very being. And that is how to have peace of mind. That's how it happens, loved ones. This week, in my studies, um, somebody sent me a link. And there are... um, a whole bunch of really gifted singers in Nashville. That's a big surprise, right? So many that there's a group of, um, there, this is a group of vocalists and they, they're backup singers for famous people and they do all kinds of things and um, they are all honoring social distancing as we are and so this entire group decided to each individually record a song on their iPhone or their telephones and send it to their producer and uh, this week their producer put all of those together 
and created um, a song. And I, I, I want to close in prayer, but before I wanna, want you to listen to this, this song, watch this video, and let the peace that's produced by this soak into your soul right now.
awesome. Mm, man, Lord, thank you for that. God, um, as we wrap up our service today, thank you, wonderful, wonderful God. It is well with our soul, Lord. And that is not driven by circumstances. It's not driven by events, but it's driven by your presence. Awesome, awesome are you, God. Worship you today. Lord, um, we declare that you are the God of peace. Father, thank you for these precious loved ones who have participated online today. What a privilege that we can gather, even in this way, and that you would feed us so faithfully from your word and um, stir our affections for you, Lord God, our Savior. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, that in you, in you, we find forgiveness and, and, and that you send strength and hope and um, that, Lord, your Son has provided a way, pathway to eternity and our eternity is altered because of that. Thank you, Lord, that he is the lovely one, the pure one, the excellent, the praiseworthy, just, the true. Thank you that he's the one who writes into the book of eternal life our names. Thank you for that, Jesus. And so I just want to one more time invite any of you who have never opened your heart to the Lord before to do that, to call on the name of Christ, and you'll be saved. So church, um, as we conclude our service today, I just want to thank you for joining us and uh, I want to tell you that you can stay connected. We have things that are coming up on the webpage all throughout the week. And of course, we'll be back for our Sunday service next weekend at 10. And, uh, and you can get information also at info at crossroads.life is where you can get help if you have ministry need, um, if you need a pastor to pray with you, what we can do to help you, we would want to do that. And don't forget that Ask a Pastor at Crossroads website. So see you next Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless you. See you then.